So my friends, we're invited today to consider our Lord's teaching on conversion and on mercy, uh, that we need to have this attitude in our lives of continual conversion. And I think oftentimes people may think of a conversion as a one-time thing, that I, I converted at some point in my life. If anyone here was maybe baptized as an adult or was not Catholic and then became Catholic, we'll usually use the term, when did you convert, right? When, when was your conversion? Or if we had a major life change, right? That was the moment of my conversion. But conversion is not just a one-time thing. Conversion is actually, it's an ongoing process that each and every one of us needs continual conversion in our lives. Even every day, we need to continually convert and turn back again and again and again to Almighty God. I love one of our focus missionaries uses uh, the phrase, your next big conversion, right? When was your next big conversion? Not even past conversions, but the next one. What's the next way that I have been turning away from God And I need to turn back to him now. And so the next conversion, not that we made it to church on a beautiful Sunday morning. And so we're, we're the, we're the winners, right? We already did that conversion. That's, that's for everyone else, not in church today. No, we, we need to continue to convert. We need to keep finding the ways that we say no to Jesus. What are the ways that we say no to Jesus? There was a priest who met Mother Teresa, and he was grumpy. He was having a bad day. Um, he was having a really bad day. I can identify with him some days, and then I just turn into a total grump. And I wish I had a Mother Teresa in my life, because Mother Teresa saw this grumpy priest, and she just simply saw he was in a bad mood and said, Father, why are you saying no to Jesus? Like, if you're in a bad mood, and you're just being a grump about everything today, hey, why are you saying no to Jesus? You know, we need to turn back and see, I'm being invited, even on a tough day, I'm being invited into the cross. And conversion requires being very honest about where we are. We need to be honest with where we are, and we can't play the game. Particularly in the church in the 21st century, we can't play the game. That somehow, because we go to church, we're great. And we're so perfect. If everyone else just did exactly what we do, like, I don't know, things would be good. Right? Probably not. We have to admit that being in church isn't because we're the great people. It's because we recognize our need for continual conversion, to be honest about where we are. When I was in Waterbury, I served at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception, which is a gorgeous church right on the green in Waterbury. I'm not sure if any of you have ever been there, but it's very beautiful. It, uh, and... We, because it was so beautiful and because it's well-located, we did a lot of weddings. We did a lot of weddings. We did a lot of weddings for people that don't belong to the parish. Uh, in fact, the, a banquet center right up the road would tell people, like, if, you want, if you're Catholic, you want a church, go to the Immaculate. And so we'd get a lot of calls, people from all over the state, saying, well, we're doing our party here, and they said to come to you for the church. So thank you, Banquet Hall, for all those weddings. 
Uh, and we would basically, if you're willing to go through our marriage preparation, which includes a number of meetings and things and understanding what the Catholic Church teaches about marriage, then sure, you could get married in our church, right? We're not going to be exclusivist about it. And when I was doing a lot of all that marriage preparation, there were generally two kinds of couples. The first was dreadful. Those are the meetings that I really disliked. And those are the couples that were just, yeah, yeah, sure, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have any questions? No, no, it sounds good, okay, yeah, yeah. Like nothing. There was just yes, 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 yesing me to death, right? I dreaded those meetings. The ones I loved were the couples that were much more honest about where they are. The couples that would admit that their lives are not perfect, that they're not probably living a perfect moral life as an engaged couple, that they struggle with certain church teachings, that they're not so good about going to Mass, but they admit it, and they're honest about it, and we can have a real conversation that we can actually engage in a human way, and they're not just going to yes me to death, but rather they'll say like, oh, Father, we, you know, that does, oh, that's not going so well, and that's not so good. Another very good friend of mine was working with a couple, and uh, he asked them, like, how's Sunday Mass going? Like, how's it going, going to Sunday Mass? And the bride, who's from a very devout Catholic family, said, oh yeah, it's good. And the groom, who's not from any kind of Catholic family or upbringing at all, is like, Father, it's terrible. We don't go to Mass at all, right? And it's just very honest. And it's like, Look, I prefer the groom to the bride in that situation, right? To be honest about where we are. To admit if we're not doing it. And not to pretend. And not to play the game. That's the first step in conversion. That we have to admit where we are. And we can't fake it. This man had two sons. And he said to the first one, go out and work in the vineyard today. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. But later decided that he would, and he went, and he worked in the vineyard. And the other gave the right answer, yes, sir, going right away, and didn't do anything. Which of the two did the Father's will? The first, even though he said no. And even if we say no to Jesus a hundred times a day, even if we've deeply invested in going in the wrong direction, the best thing we could do is to acknowledge it, admit it, and turn around. It's the best thing we could do. There's the reality of what's called the sunk cost fallacy, and maybe you've heard of it, right? I've put so much money into something, I need to just stick with it, right? I've put so much money into this one thing, the sunk cost, and so I, I'm just going to put more, and I'm going to put more, Oh, my car broke and something broke. And so I'm going to put a lot of money into this piece. And then that piece gets there. And then something else breaks. And so just because I bought that first piece, let me buy the next piece. And then a third thing breaks. And I'm like, well, I've already put so... No, you know what? Maybe it's time to just get a different car. Right? It's who cares? At a, if you've wasted money to a certain point, at a, the best thing you could do is stop trying to chase your investment and just turn around and say, okay, I've been, doing, I've been going the wrong direction. I've been foolish in that. And on a moral level, if we've been going in the wrong direction, if we've been acting the wrong way, 
but we've been doing it our whole life long. The best, even if we've said no already to God this morning, the best thing we could do is forget about all that and just turn around. Turn around and and make it right. I want to offer a personal confession. I often don't do this. But Monsignor Matera uh, challenges me. I love, I love Monsignor Matera. And he challenges me in a wonderful way to live this in my own life. Um, And it's something that I'm very deeply embarrassed about, right? Uh, But he keeps challenging me. Because there's a reality that, this may come as a shock, I know very few people's names. Like, I know almost no one's names. Uh, and it's, it's tough, right? Imagine, you become a pastor of all these extra parishes on the same day, and, oh, do you know everyone's names? And I grew up, my parish priest knew my name. And so for me, it's a thing. A parish priest should know people's names. And I tell Monsignor, I'm like, Monsignor, I don't know anyone's names. And he said, well, then don't fake it. Just ask them. I said, no, I can't do that. I can't. It's too late. It's too late. I just have to go on the next 10, 15, 20 years pretending like I know their name. And he's like, no, Father Casey, don't do it. Just go ask. Just go ask people. If you don't know their name, just ask them. I said, nope, I'm, I have pretended this far. Now it's too far into it. And I just got to keep living the lie. And he, Monsignor, continues to gently challenge me. So when we're in public, he will... If there's somebody that we see, and I don't, of course, of course, I don't know their name, and he doesn't either, with me there, he'll be like, hey, I forgot your name. Can you tell me your name again? And it totally embarrasses me, but I love it, because he, chal- he, as a good older brother priest, challenges me to not live the lie that somehow I've you know, memorized 3,000 names overnight, but that it's okay to ask. And what does this take? If we're going to start on the road of actually turning around and not playing the game and not pretending, what virtue does it take? It takes the virtue of humility. Humility. To admit that we're not perfect. To admit that we don't have it all figured out. To let go of that pride of wanting to look like we've got it all right. And to be humble. And to admit our weakness. And humility is tough. Humility is a really tough virtue to live. But that's why St. Paul encourages us. Who do we look to as the model of our humility? We look to the person of Jesus Christ, who, this is actually the oldest section of the New Testament. This poem that Paul recounts to the Philippians is actually something that the early Christians may have sung among them before he even wrote this letter. So this poem here is actually the oldest thing in the New Testament. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not deem equality with God something to be grasped, right? Stubbornly, pridefully held onto. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave. He was found human in appearance. Jesus humbled himself. He lowered himself becoming like us in all things except sin, lowering himself and becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. God humbled himself for us. And we, in pride, want to keep holding on to the sunk cost of pretending like we don't need to convert again, even today. When we have trouble 
with the humility of admitting that we have to turn around, admitting that we've gone in the wrong direction. We should ask Jesus to teach us. He's our model of how to be humble, how to not grasp on with that pride, but to be willing to be open and honest and humble. And so we ask our Lord for this grace, because when we humble ourselves, when we're willing to be honest and to be humbled, because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every other name. It's so much better to be exalted by God than by ourselves. It's so much better when we lower ourselves to let God be the one who lifts us up. When we acknowledge our weakness. Today is the Feast of St. Therese. St. Therese of Lisieux. And she says she's just like a little bird. Right? A little bird just flying in a, in a storm. This is her, the little flower, St. Therese. She's a little bird flying in the storm. And if it pleases God to come and lift her up way into the stratosphere. Praise God out of his goodness. She knew her littleness and she let God lift her up. So my friends, this is what our Lord teaches us today. Conversion is not a thing in the past, but it's today. Now, how have I been living a lie and how do I have to be humble enough to admit that I need to turn back to Jesus? And in that humility, God is the one who lifts us up and brings us back to share in his glory.